The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Some people came to Jesus inquiring about a tragedy. The Roman governor Pilate had profaned the bodies of some Galilean Jews by mingling their blood with the blood of animal sacrifices. And they were asking Jesus, they wanted to know whether this terrible fate that came upon them was a punishment for their own personal sins. And Jesus responds with a stern warning against attempting to infer something about someone's sinfulness by the evil that they suffer. He says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. In other words, he wants to say, the workings of divine justice are more complex than you can hope to trace out. There's no linear connection between the evils one suffers and the evils they've committed in this life. And yet, Jesus doesn't completely dissociate evil and suffering, sin and suffering. He says, but I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. So this brings us to a fundamental doctrine of our faith, that suffering and death are the consequence of human sin. So while Jesus prohibits speculating about the sinfulness of those who suffer, 
he affirms that suffering does have its origin in human sin. The connection between sin and suffering is obvious in some cases. For example, your friend betrays you, and that causes you a great sorrow, and obviously his evil is the cause of your sorrow. Or you can't sleep at night because you've woven a web of lies. Well, your own evil, your own sin, is the cause of your suffering. But there are cases that are more difficult to explain theologically, like natural disasters, or the case that Jesus himself brings up in the gospel, the collapse of the Tower of Siloam that killed many people. Where do you place the blame there, if not on God himself? Well, here Christianity makes an even stronger and to our minds an even stranger claim, which is that even the cosmic discord in a mysterious way has its origin in human sin. So we see this in our origin story, the book of Genesis, which doesn't pretend to be a historical record of the creation of the earth, and, but it does, it is a, a, a true story about our origins, a theological story about our origins. So there we find our first parents, Adam and Eve, were created in a state of perfect harmony with God, with themselves, and with all of creation. They had a unique place in creation as the only creatures that were both body and spirit. They were set as stewards, as rulers over creation. They were meant to take the physical world and spiritualize it, draw it up into the worship of God, infuse it with, with spirit. So they were established as royal gardeners to rule over nature. Not to dominate it as overlords, but as stewards, to care for it. But when they rebelled against God, creation rebelled against them. God told Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat its yield all the days of your life. So human, humans entered into a contentious relationship with nature. And even their bodies rebelled against them. God says to Eve, in pain you shall bring forth children. So Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden and sent out into a hostile wilderness. But from that moment forward, God sought to reestablish and restore the lost harmony between humans and nature. We see it, for example, in the construction of the temple, which if you read the, the details of the temple, you'll find that there are many echoes of the garden, many details which point back to the garden in the temple. And there, in that limited space of the temple, humans could take up again their original vocation. So they took physical elements and ordained them to the worship of God. They took stone and gold and constructed them into a sacred space, a temple. They took grain and animals and offered them up to God. From this point forward with some violence, with some sacrifice, but still they, they were able to fulfill in a limited way their function of ordering all creation to the worship of God. But for many generations, the garden failed to gain ground on the wilderness. And even the temple became a den of thieves. 
until God sent a new Adam, a new royal gardener, who was Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he overturned Adam's disobedience by his obedience when he prayed to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he put the fruit which Adam stole from the tree back on the tree when he who was the true wisdom of God was nailed to the tree of the cross. And by his resurrection, Christ inaugurated the new creation. So where does this leave us? We have the life of the new Adam in us, and therefore we've inherited the task of restoring harmony between man and creation. But we also have the remnants of the old Adam in us. That is, we feel not only that creation is out of tune, but that we are out of tune with ourselves and that our own inner discord is part of what causes the discord that we find in nature, in creation. So what do we do about it? Well, our first task is to overturn the old Adam in us by renewing a sense of reverence for creation, to open our eyes in wonder and to see the, the Creator's hand in His creation and, and to wonder at it. The natural world isn't something to be stomped on and consumed and manipulated according to our own capricious desires. This is one of the master themes of the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's masterpiece. So Saruman, the, the wizard, began good. He was a good wizard. He fought for the sight of good. But as his thirst for power increased, he, his, his relationship with nature was perverted. So he began to slash and destroy the forest to fuel his war machine. And he enslaved other creatures and drove them by fear to serve him. He employed orcs who went stomping and burning wherever they went. Contrast Saruman with Gandalf, the good wizard, who, rather than forcing creatures to submit to him, knew how to draw out the hidden power from each one of them, even in such surprising creatures as hobbits. He rode his horse Shadowfax without a saddle and without spur, but with a whisper in his ear, Shadowfax flew like the wind. So when war broke out in Middle-earth, Saruman seemed to have the upper hand. But there were ancient forces that were hidden in those forests that he had been destroying. And they rose up against him, and they destroyed him. So let me be clear. I'm not advocating that we all become pacifists and vegans. But we do need to renew our sense of wonder at creation, a sense of reverence for God's creation. We need to renew a sense of wonder at the human body, at the cosmos, at the majesty of a giant oak, the elegance of a deer. I don't see how we can heedlessly disrespect creation without disrespecting the God who created it. Now, the primary reason for that our vision of creation is distorted is that our passions, our desires, are distorted within us. Our unruly desires lead us to treat the rest of creation, whether it's 
land or forest or other people or our own bodies as disposable means to satisfy our selfish desires is, is that we have this distortion within us, distorted desires. St. Paul says in the second reading, these things happen so that we might not desire evil things as they did. So our work of restoring harmony in creation begins with the work of restoring harmony in our own souls, tending the garden of our own souls. When we grow in temperance and purity, we'll learn to enjoy creation without exploiting it and cultivate it without dominating it. So I want to conclude by naming very briefly 10 practices that could foster a reverence for creation. I'm not going to give them any explanation. I'll leave it to you to decide what you want to put into practice in your own life. The first is eat slowly. The second is don't slam the door behind you. The third is don't buy anything you don't need for one week. Four, bring some order to your room and your car. Five, don't trade sleep for coffee. So try to sleep at least seven hours a night. This week. I mean, you can keep going the rest of your life if you want. Six, go for a, a run or a walk through Rock Creek Park. Seven, try to discover the gifts of your coworkers or your family members and how to draw them out. Eight, give thanks to God before meals. Nine, turn off the water while you're soaping up in the shower. And ten, go outside at some point this week and pray with the canticle of creatures. It's a passage of scripture that you can find in the book of Daniel. If you look it up on in Google, just type the canticle of creatures and it will show up. Let me read a, a small part of it for you. It's a moment where the one who's praying is acting, acting as like a, a, an orchestral director for all of creation, calling all of creation to worship and praise God. He says, let the earth bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Mountains and hills bless the Lord. Everything growing from the earth bless the Lord. You springs, bless the Lord. Seas and rivers, bless the Lord. You dolphins and all water creatures, bless the Lord. All you birds of the air, bless the Lord. All you beasts, wild and tame, bless the Lord. You sons of men, bless the Lord. Well, these are some small steps towards reestablishing order in our own souls so that we can take up our task as royal gardeners and lead all creation into a harmonious song of praise for God our Creator.